and welcome to the Lost World Minutes, the Midwild Minute podcast reviewing 1997 sequel Jurassic Park, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here for a very special episode, recapping and uh, finally getting to our listener week, which has uh, sort of been, it went for two weeks eventually, and, uh, and now a couple of weeks later we're finally getting to the record, but that's uh, good we got here, and um, we can finally get uh, get to some of the listener questions and feedback out there. Because at the end of the day, it's easy for us to sit here and uh, and watch a minute and talk about it. But um, it's the fans out there, it's you listeners, that uh, you're the reason we're here. So we just want to uh, reflect on that with a little bit of a giveaway and um, getting people's opinions on a lost world. Fifteen years ago, John Hammond had a dream. Like John himself, the dream was grand. It was outside. It was bold. It was impractical. It was not to be. Well, half an hour from now... John Hammond's dream, reimagined, will come true. We spent the week asking a few questions uh, out there on the various social media and um, got some uh, interesting answers back. We also got some questions via email that we'll get to at the end. But uh, Dave, if you want, we'll first start off with the uh, Monday question. Sure. Um, And this one was, uh, who's your favourite Lost World character? Now... (laughs) Full disclosure, apart from email responses we get a little bit later, all these are from Instagram, so thank you our Instagram listeners. Uh, Facebook and Twitter, wake up yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All we heard was crickets from over there, and we know we've got people following us there, so... But good on Instagram, like we're powering on there as well. So, uh, underscore defunk, his uh, favourite was Nick, because... uh, he liked the way how he was supposed to be there to be the good guy, but uh, and then all the mess that happened on Sauna was his fault. Mm-hmm. For the most part, yeah, it was his fault. <laughs> as um, as Malcolm mm-hmm. says in the novel and, and that, um, how you get the rule of three with um, mm-hmm. things going from bad to worse. Um, they definitely stacked against Nick in the film. Yeah, it's definitely a good point to bring up is that really if you take Nick out of the movie, like the Indians plan probably would have gone completely the way she was supposed to have gone. Yeah. You know? Nobody would have gotten hurt, nobody would have died in the long grass, you know? Well, and it's one thing, yeah, because the, um, the main, I suppose, the main pivot point was the uh, sabotaging Indian camp. The uh, harvest camp, I suppose. Mm-hmm. We don't get the explanation really at all. We get the only bit we lean to what Ingen's actual plan is um, was from the deleted scene with the baby, with Ludlow and the baby T-Rex that was um, more dialogue heavy in the shooting script where um, he actually looks at the infant Tyrannosaur and says they'd never considered getting any carnivores. They were only interested in harvesting herbivores from the island exterior. And they hadn't considered the carnivores yet. With um, some growth inhibitors and that, they might be able to take the baby Rex back and have it as a multi-million dollar attraction. Now, that's what ended up happening in the film, but it's never explained at all, um, unfortunately. But it sort of just goes to show what InGen's doing there. And if the team hadn't sabotaged the camp... Um, the next day, possibly, they would have come afoul the T-Rex and it would have destroyed everything on its own or or something else could have happened, but like that's a different film and that's fan fiction. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's a good point, though, is um, if they had managed to bring over uh, carnivores, because I think that the main reason that they didn't choose carnivores this time around was mainly because, of course, what happened in Jurassic Park and all those deaths that were caused by carnivores, not herbivores. So Ludlow was trying, at least trying, to re- learn from his uncle's mistakes. Didn't completely, but he tried. <laughs> yeah, yep. But uh, I think that um, if the <clears throat> infant had been able to have um, been brought over, I kind of wonder how long it would have lived in captivity. Mm. You know? I mean, how big would it have gotten? How long would it have lived? And would they have also started bringing over more carnivores? Well, that's, yeah, and that's the slippery slope that you get onto when you start sort of, well, we've got this one and it's working fine. 
Let's um, <laughs> let's get a raptor. Exactly. <laughs> We've steered a little bit off course there, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Defunk. I'm going to butcher the hell out of this. Brady Archidevelico Davidcho. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Um, favorite character is Sarah Harding, which uh, agree if you're there. Jarus428. Uh, it was too many good characters to mention. Um, B Saver, Ian Malcolm for his character shift, or Roland Tembo for his effortless, effortlessly being a badass, which definitely, definitely agree there. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to get some good scenes with Roland come up in the next few minutes as well. Because at the uh, at the point of recording this, we're just about to hit the halfway mark with the just about to finish the trailer sequence. So mm-hmm. that's just to date this episode <laughs> of the show. Um, Tom underscore Lane Boy uh, says it has to be Doctor Grant. I <laughs> I haven't seen that cut scene yet, but I'm looking forward to exploring it when we get to it. And um, <laughs> and Undertaker dot fan said uh, Roland, Ian, and Sarah, which. Uh, we're all good ones. Uh, no mention of Dita Stark or Carter. Oh, poor Eddie didn't get a mention either. Oh, no, sorry, there's another page. This was a popular question. <laughs> yeah, um... And, uh... Oh, you, you people... <laughs> fun names, um... Egypticus33. That'll do. <laughs> um, <laughs> a type between Ian, Allen and Muldoon. Again, I haven't seen that cut scene, but I can't wait to get to it. <laughs> RSV Campbellton, uh, very cool gallery. So he must be looking at uh, the Facebook uh, or the, Inst- oh, the Instagram photos. Yeah, this should be the Instagram, yeah. Yep, Jurassic Park Palooza, Ian Malcolm and Roland Tembo. Uh, but... I believe that's Polska. Oh, Polska, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so they're Polish, I think. Ah, uh, yep, yep. He also loved uh, Larry and Simon Masrati from Jurassic World, which I agree there. I think that was one of the biggest travesties of Jurassic World was that <laughs> Mizrani got killed off. Jurassic World trilogy says Dr. Grant. So, some people have seen some delayed scenes here that I haven't. <laughs> uh, so. I think they're uh, mentioning uh, Jurassic Park and the Lost World in here in general. Yeah, I think they're just general in the franchise. Like, yeah. Which makes me wonder, there's no Amanda Kirby there anywhere. Maybe we should have made, maybe we should have said disliked character. Burp, come here. You recognise this trackway? Yes, I do. Tyrannosaur. That's not the problem. What is? What is the problem? Velociraptors. Our infrared show their nesting sites are concentrated in the island interior, which is why we plan to keep to the upper wait, rim. Wait, wait a minute. What's that? Veloso- Velociraptor. Carnivore. Pack hunter. About two meters tall, long snout, binocular vision, strong dexterous forearms, and killing claws on both feet. And the Rexes may continue to track us, too, if they perceive a threat to themselves or to their infants. On Tuesday, we sort of moved on from the human to the dinosaur cast and asked what people's favourite dinosaur was. Um, Zachary underscore Rainey said the T-Rex and then the raptors. Um, You can do that one again. (laughs) Egypticus 33? Yep. Uh, the T-Rexes and the Raptors definitely so we're definitely getting some Rex and Raptor love uh, Jurassic mm-hmm. underscore fanboy Rexes in the Parasol office Mike for me they're the Buck T-Rex and the Tiger Raptors and the small spot, soft spot for the baby Triceratops cameo too is that another cutscene I missed? no no there's oh uh, in, the, the, in the cage the baby, yeah in the cage yep which was a uh, reused animatronic from the first movie, of course. Yep. Lex was supposed to ride it. Yep. yep. And I do like here, too, how he actually mentions the Tiger Stripe Raptors. Just mm-hmm. they, they are my favourite Raptors of the franchise, and just okay. sort of taking what Michael Crichton um, wrote in the book and putting on screen. I just love them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and of course, that colour was absolutely brilliant. I, yeah. It's a real, really real shame that we only got the animatronics really in silhouette in nighttime scenes we never actually got to see the full beauty of the coloration yeah well, that's it i was just looking at some behind the scenes stuff for this week's minutes with um the trailer hanging over the cliff and that and just some of the animatronics sitting in stan winston studios ready to be filmed just some beautiful colors on them and we only got to see them mm-hmm. in the darkness most of the time but uh cr underscore untamed uh 
had he liked the compies. It was fun seeing some Jurassic Piranhas, which very good point. Um, <laughs> I was, it was one thing I was excited for in Jurassic Park Three when they come back on the scene again. Unfortunately, it's just for a little brief walk by the the swamp and then they're gone again. So yeah, I'd hope I'd hope we do get them sometime again in this new Jurassic trilogy, whether we do or not. We'll we'll find out. Oh yeah, I definitely would love to see him back in Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, yep. Mrs. Underscore T Rex, uh, she loves the baby Tyrannosaurus and the Pachycephalosaurus as well. So, plenty of T Rex love. Um, mm-hmm. The Paris Lost is getting named a couple of times too. Yeah, I do like that we're getting to see uh, some herbivore love here. We don't yeah. get that a lot. Yeah, yep. And uh, Justin Underscore Whitaker 16, he's, uh, his favourite would be the Bull T Rex. The T Rex sort of dominates the film, obviously, but we sort of get the herbivores at the start, then don't really get them again um, mm-hmm. after this sequence, really. Uh, well, after the uh, the camp escape. Um, now, we do see get that. Then briefly, at the end, uh, we get that camera pan, but other than that, no. Mm. And then you saw you only really get the raptors for that short, very short bit at the end, too, so... Mm-hmm. But nah, they're all they're all good. I, we 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 went through pretty much our favourites in that for the uh, Lost World anniversary special. So if, we're not going to retread too much on that here. If you want to hear, no. like we went for an hour hour and forty five minutes on <laughs> some <laughs> some of our favourite parts of the film. Oh yeah, ooh ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and, and screaming. Doctor Mal, here to share a few campfire stories with my uncle. It's so important to your future that you not finish that sentence, please. Moving on to Wednesday. We asked what people's favourite scene was from The Lost World. Steggy Berto said the roulette ones, obviously. Not uh, quite... I, think, I think he means Roland ones. Yes. There was a bit of an autocorrect there. Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when you sort of stack up the Roland scenes, you've got his introduction, um, even just trying to name the animals and give these um, team directions. Um, mm-hmm. And then just him and RJ hunting the wrecks, like the first half of the film, um, we get some great stuff out of him. And that definitely continues mm-hmm. on the second half as well as he leads the uh, survivors to the operations building. Mm-hmm. Thomas Sligman uh, crashing the sleepover, which of course he's referring to the uh, Tyrannosaur arriving. Twain May is also definitely in the tent scene where Kelly and Sarah... Uh, when they're in the mm-hmm. tent, um, it stuck with him when he was seven, and uh, when he was watching in theaters, the tension, the the dark score queuing up, building up, it was hands down his favorite of all Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. all Jurassic films so far, which is great to see, and it did, it built some great tension, just that animatronic head coming into that tent, like you couldn't do that with CG at all and have it come off realistic. No, no, it was, I think it was really important to uh, have the male animatronics head in there with the actors and have them actually acting and responding to having this giant, monstrous animatronic mm. right there on top of them. Yeah, <laughs> there, there, was a, <laughs> there was a slight aspect of danger, but I'm pretty sure they're on some sort of false floor. I'll have to recheck the behind the scenes. I'm pretty sure they weren't actually on the ground with that above it. They had a, a floor under them, so if it did come down, it could push them through. But anyway, we'll get to that when we get get yeah, to that minute. Yeah. <laughs> you can say that name again. <laughs> Egypticus 3. Egypticus, 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 Egypticus. Mm. Well, they haven't turned up in the mirror. <laughs> um, there's so many. Uh, the hunters capturing the herbivores, uh, the breakout from the enclosures, the Rex trailer attack, raptors in long grass and the abandoned worker village which are all definite favourites of mine as well mm-hmm. um, Jaros 428 the roundup, the trailer attack, crashing the sleepover, worker village, San Diego everything, perfect answer <laughs> mm-hmm. Mike Tharm, opening scene pretty damn grisly and off camera too which was a good point there's mm-hmm. a lot of implicit horror with that one and that's, yeah, and that's, you sort of see now people saying, well, we want to reboot with a more uh, hard R rating. Well, 
even um, Spielberg done the first we've talked about before the um, just Nedry's death how the implied mm-hmm. horror there of just being locked in the car with a Dilophosaurus eating your face off <laughs> mm-hmm. um, even sort of Gennaro we sort of see but even Muldoon sitting there screaming while he's got a raptor on top of him and you've mm-hmm. just got a bit of a palm frond obstructing yeah. the view like then it pans to the eye of the raptor just watching and then it focusing in on the snake because it slithers by. Yeah. Yeah, like that that's something like that's more horrific than if um if you actually seen the blood splatter and that of and even mm-hmm. his um Muldoon's guts getting torn open, like mm-hmm. that's just <clears throat> that's just gore for the sake of gore and that's eh. not always effective. Oh, uh, Spielberg did a very good job with the implicit horror of these movies. Mm. Yep. Um, Rallin underscore Untamed, uh, although it's jumping the shark a bit, always look kind of uh, sickly in seeing the T-Rex in the San Diego. Um, and also the poor dog waltz there. <laughs> I have, I've have actually seen that as a criticism for The Lost World, that they didn't like the movie because a dog got eaten. <laughs> it's always... Well, there's always that rule: the dog never dies. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, but again, implied. You see the chain hanging from the dog house, and it's swinging mm-hmm. from the Rex's mouth, so you know that dog's in there. But um. Mhm. Well, it was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then they, you sort of, a lot of a lot of the uh, the haters also will just sort of lump the dog and the San Diego scene together and just call out the third act of the film. Or the, mm-hmm. the seemingly fourth act of the film. But lastly, for the question, Jurassic Down Under. Uh, truth is, there were there is so many awesome scenes in the movie, but I feel that like everyone forgets old Rexy in the city scene. Still to this day, it's not overdone. Any sort of bad CG, it's clean Spielberg all over. A bus ends up in a video store, classic cinema. <laughs> Which we'll get to that when they do that stunt, like just what they done mm-hmm. to have a CG dinosaur implode a bus and then have it run into the mm-hmm. video store um and actually i when i was preparing to do this show earlier this night i was actually looking at clips of the t-rex attacking the bus and it dawned on me the reason he attacked the bus was because of the shape he recognized the shape from the trailers yeah yep yeah i never realized that before Yep. It was like an epiphany for me. <laughs> because before, that is sort of... It is being much like the female in Jurassic Park, sort of exploring, just taking the surroundings, um, mm-hmm. biting that traffic light and or the traffic signal and that sort of stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, then goes after the bus. But I think there's one, and we'll definitely get to it when, when we get there. I think my only gripe about the whole city stuff is the, uh, the Japanese tourists... And what that subtitle would have, should have, did say, because I can't recall. If, yeah, I think I think it's only in the subtitles, but uh, yeah, you don't leave Japan to get away from Godzilla to have this happen in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's too late. She's already there. Sarah, she's much too close. What the hell is she doing? Too close. Too close. The operation has suffered severe casualties, and the survivors are now in mortal danger. I need you to send rescue immediately. He didn't make it. I'll do it. I'm sorry. Ready? I am. Moving on to Thursday's question. Um, we asked, what was your favourite set or prop from the Lost World? Uh, and this could have included a vehicle or a weapon. Oh, I said it five times now, I've forgotten again. Egypt. <laughs> Egypticus. Egypticus 3. <laughs> Egypticus Free said the uh, the M class Mercedes, um, they're pretty awesome. And so was the Snagger vehicle, which yeah, agree. I'd I'd, I'd love to have a M class Mercedes. Yeah, I've been looking for one. I've seen a couple broken down the side of the road, apparently abandoned, but wrong time, wrong spot, wrong time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Rovi Harry, uh, the vehicles from the Paraherd chase and the capture scene, which uh, would be all the engine. The Jeeps, modified Jeeps, the Hummers, mm-hmm. and the Unimogs just being Unimogs because that's <laughs> they're pretty cool as they are. Tripping out Motorsport uh, replied to Rovi Harry. Rovi Harry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tongue twister names. We do apologise. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, 
And he said, yeah, he replied and said that those Jeeps were pretty rad. Um, Mark Vermelt uh, has to be the trailers for sure, which agreed. I've been hanging on for uh, the aficionado and what they've been doing with the trailers post uh, <laughs> The Lost World. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, want more, I want more content. <laughs> Um, and Jurassic Down Under, he uh, he commented the '76 ball that uh, we get rolling across the front of mm-hmm. Malcolm and his vehicle later on. Which I had to give points to Jurassic Down Under for originality. That was a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it went on to the back lot for a while too, onto the, yeah, uh, the set. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get to there, we've been, I've been uh, combing through sliders and getting all the set video on that uh, for that, and the, the, you can never see the ball, so I don't know when when it went in, when it left, but um, there are some behind-the-scenes photos of it out there sitting beside the, the garage, mm-hmm. the gas station. Friday for the end of the week, we uh, asked what your favourite track from the score was. Um, Jurassic.cc said there's too many to choose from. It's a 10 out of 10 soundtrack, uh, which I'll definitely agree with. Um, it is my preferred soundtrack of the franchise, but it's probably because it's the one I've listened to most. Um, and mm-hmm. it's sort of, it's just, all the tracks seem to um, mesh together. Um, where you get a few tracks, yes, everyone loves the Nedry steals the embryos, but it sort of it doesn't really mesh with the rest of the score. Um, but I, I, I still love <laughs> love that mm-hmm. track anyway. Nedry steals the embryos is almost like a um, Mission Impossible meets Jurassic Park, which is funny because of course John Williams did the scores to both movies. Hmm. Well, it's funny. I heard someone say. <clears throat> once that um, the Jurassic Park score feels like John Williams wrote one or two new themes and then went to sort of stuff he hadn't used in previous films like uh, mm-hmm. In Any Jones for sure where sort of Indy comes across the Nazis was definitely when we see the Jeep arrive at the visitor centre after the Brachiosaur scene where mm-hmm. you get that very, that very bombastic um, sort of bit of score and even yeah, even Nedry still does the embryos. Um, there'd be a couple other tracks in there as well. Like since getting the uh, the new John Williams collection with the all the extra all the extra stuff, it's I've I've had it on repeat, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get it all in my head. But um, Nicola underscore Lekker K think. Yep. And you too. Yep. Um, the Raptors appear. Um, I love the fast rhythm, the percussions. It catches me all the time, and it fits very well to the scene when the uh, Raptors hunt the survivors. That's mm-hmm. that's one one I do like because you sort of get that slow, ominous, abandoned feeling um, mm-hmm. of the of the survivors sort of coming into the worker village. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the horns that play as mm. the apatosaurus skeleton turns into those metal piping, yeah. and then they go enter into the village. It's so bestial. It sounds like some, like a dying animal, mm. which I love. Because it's like you're seeing the dying, decaying ruins of InGen, so it fits great. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and it's sort of... It's it's 
very similar to what we get with uh, when Nick first goes in as well. Um, it's it's weird though too because you get sort of the score and then you sort of get the the sound effects of just it it should be still there shouldn't be any noise but just like the squeaking of doors and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff just adds to it as well and um, it is one like you got here well you got a lot of the lot sort of like the the trumpets and the uh, the drums and that through most of it but just these couple of slow moments where it's just we're finding something or seeing something for the first time. And it's mm-hmm. just that eerie, and even that, those couple of times where we just get that real slow uh, Jurassic Park theme play, and then of course as soon as the uh, Raptors jump up on the power pole, it's sort of straight into it, back into the drums, mm-hmm. and and it sort of it keeps up that le- that high level of pace all the way up until um, Sarah falls through the window. And then we cut back mm-hmm. into Lost World theme again, but. Thirty-seven forty-five. Yeah, Journey to the Island, which is a fantastic one. I had it on the original mm-hmm. uh, introduction for the podcast. Um, there's a little bit still there as well. Just, mm-hmm. just added again, added to sort of the cinematographic sim- of the uh, the barge on the way of the island. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, the reveal of sauna, um, and it just sort of it says it says a lot of the film. Yes, it's Spielberg's version of a King Kong, but there's definitely nothing wrong with that. No. It's just here we're not we're not going to see a giant monkey. We're going to see big iguanas. Yeah, bigger iguanas and six foot turkeys <laughs> <laughs> that uh, <laughs> were left to breed on their own. They've been living flourishing for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jurassic Park podcast said uh, Malcolm's journey, which again it's sort of uh, there might be a. I'm sure. I'm sure. Jurassic Park podcast. Um, Brad Jost. He'd have the uh, the um, extended soundtrack. But on that original soundtrack that only had the 14 or 13 tracks, um, sort of Malcolm's journey and Journey to the Island were sort of merged. Mm-hmm. I believe into a six-minute. I think it was a six or seven-minute track. But yeah, definitely, you sort of get that um, that softer music. I don't know if it's pipes or not, as Kelly sort of climbs in the back of the trailer and walks up and you get the reveal of the map of the five deaths. And then um, and then just that boom, 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 the build-up mm-hmm. as well. No, I, yeah, I, I just love the score. <laughs> <laughs> All those answers are good. Don't go into the long When did you last see him? 10, 15 minutes. Come with me. And you. If he's alive, we'll find him. The rest of you keep right on. 10 minutes, you should reach the ridge. Wait for us there. Masali. No one tells a little girl. 
All right, so as well as the uh, the questions we asked on the social medias, we also got a couple of people that uh, emailed in a question. We have one here from Matthew, and uh, he mm-hmm. asks, in the Lost World we get to see the hunting patterns of three different dinosaurs, the Compies, the Raptors, and the T-Rex. Which of their strategies to you was the most effective, um, and why? So we had the Compies sort of hunting Dieter in the creek. Um, mm-hmm. We had the T-Rex... Uh, I suppose they would have their hunting pattern would have started when they uh, started following the survivors mm-hmm. and the uh, the camp attack and then the raptors of course with the long grass and then going into the village. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the copies, their hunting strategy is more swarming and overwhelming through numbers. The raptors, it's more ambush. It's more they uh, wait for a prey to fall into the trap and then spring into the trap mm. and the t-rex is more it's a different style of ambush it's more like the t-rex in the first Jurassic park movie where we see them kind of bursting from the tree line yeah i guess and chasing down the prey well i suppose using that as an example too just because it's the only other real t-rex attack or hunting we've seen um it's sort of it's getting an as close to as it can to its prey quietly mm-hmm. before sort of mm-hmm. springing the trap. And we see when it gets to the camp, there's no ripples in the water. There's no, none of that. There's just, it's, you get the shadow on the tent. It sort of sticks its head in. It's not making a lot of noise. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it's sort of, it's not until someone starts screaming and it, it realizes it's the jigs up. <laughs> That uh, mm-hmm. lifts, its, lifts its head and makes a lot of racket. That's when the partner comes in and they start doing. But um, my favourite would be the raptors and just the hunting in the long grass because we've we've mm-hmm. seen it from the very first movie. Um, yeah. Grant sort of explains the other two raptors you didn't even know you were there, that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did see that with Muldoon to mm-hmm. perfect effect and how they hunt. And it's just good to see that uh, these wild ones sort of still have that instinct as well, and that's probably how they hunt, even though there's more than mm-hmm. one, more than two. Yeah, if you're going to take effectiveness and um, apply it to how many kills, the raptors are definitely the winners, just because the T-Rex was able to get one or two kills, the Compies got a kill, but the raptors, they got all of them. Hmm. Yeah, because the comp is sort of, for their size, yes, it's sort of, if they can swarm in numbers, but that's only good for, well, it's good for a human. I don't know, maybe some babies, baby animals, mm-hmm. but I don't think, I don't, I can't see a hundred compies bringing down a raptor, for instance. No. Um, because, yes, yes, they, they can swarm in numbers, but they don't, they've still only got such a bite force... Um, and the tiny little jaws and teeth, it's sort of, mm-hmm. it'd be more eggs, stealing eggs, or um, or just scavenging on carcasses, because mm-hmm. they'd be able to eat a lot, lot more meat off a carcass than uh, what was left behind by a larger animal. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, sadly, apart from the, the sort of the T-Rex following the, uh, the scent of the baby to uh, the survivors' camp, it's... I'd, I don't know if you'd caught hunting or not. Hunting behaviour, it's more, as Sarah said in the trail, it's not hunting, it's searching. They're, mm-hmm. they're wanting their infant, so... Sadly, we don't really get a T-Rex hunting scene like we did in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Which, two of them, come on. <laughs> we could have had something special there. But thanks, Matt, for that uh, email. Um, I hope we've answered it the best we can. Compy's been presumed to be scavengers, like jackals. Gives me the creeps. It's like it's not scared. There haven't been any visitors to this island. There's no reason for it to fear man. Now it does. You find them? Just the parts they didn't like. Okay, we got another email from Andrew. Um, and he asked, with, the, with news um, on rights reverting back to Crichton... The Crichton, oh, the Christian family after uh, Jurassic 6. Do you see the franchise continuing rebooting or going back to Crichton? 
um, and being left alone. I don't know. I has that even been confirmed? Um, what I've always heard, and this was uh, way back on the Jurassic Park Legacy days, was that Universal was con- was contracted with the Crichton family for six movies. Yep. I'm not sure about TV shows, comics, games, anything like that. But I do know that it was, or at least what I've always heard is six movies and then their rights go back to the Crichton Foundation. I wonder, post The Lost World, how much that contract would have stayed. Because once, well, Crichton come on to do some script work in Jurassic Park 3, but Bidennial's pretty much... Um, and even the films had sort of left his um, mm-hmm. vision behind. So at that, at that point, it wasn't so much of uh, using Crichton's ideas and needing his blessing to do so. Um, although we did get some similarities in scenes in later films as well. But um, So whether, whether Universal can keep the license after... Jurassic Six mm-hmm. or what, whatever happens there, that's that's up in the air. As for uh, our thoughts on continuing slash rebooting, um, I, I, Jurassic World was fine as just as a, a revisit to the world. I, it's it's a wonder it even got off the ground. Now it's failed. I can't see any more parks. And we we've got to see what Fallen Kingdom's going to do. They've they've mm-hmm. sort of expand trying to expand the universe here, but I don't see how any civilized country would allow the park to be built <laughs> anywhere else. Um, yeah. And there's been I've I see it daily people saying how they'd love to see it rebooted with the uh, following the novels more. Um, but then you've got the time. Sort of, because there's a lot of content in both books. They dated them in a way, I'd say, actually. Yeah. Like, um, in the first Jurassic Park movie, they mentioned, or book, I'm sorry, that they used three Cray supercomputers, and nowadays a Cray supercomputer is, like, less equivalent to a crappy smartphone. Well, that's, <laughs> and that's exactly right. If they were to go off the books, they'd have to make it a period piece really for yeah 89 the book the book sort of 89 it has to be around there somewhere i'm pretty sure most of the um computer readouts that that are in the book have all got june of 89 on the date tags on oh yeah yeah it is yeah so but even even that like the control room it's got to look like nasa space control but it's got to have crts (laughs) and (laughs) crts and a um a glass map on one end with all the blinky dots. Well, yes, that, mm-hmm. that that's sort of space agey, but no one's going <laughs> to believe a high tech. Like you imagine Jurassic World with CRTs in it. It's mm-hmm. like okay, you spent all your money on the dinosaurs and you didn't spend any money on security. But then, <laughs> and the Land Cruisers. There's no expense. <laughs> yeah, 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 the Land Cruisers and all that, and sort of. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, really. Who would who uses uh, Toyota Land Cruisers, <laughs> Land Cruisers anymore? Uh, Does still make them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's quite a few here and in Australia. They're they're one of our highest selling vehicles. Um, really? Yep. Huh. Yep. Not so much the Sahara or the the GXL wagon, but more of the uh, the Trayback or the Trayback trucks and. Um, oh yeah, that I can imagine. Yep, and the family sort of wagon SUVs. They're uh, highly popular over here just because of their. Yeah ruggedness and um they can put mm-hmm. up with our terrain a lot better but um but that that's that's one major problem that i think a lot of people aren't really thinking about when they say oh let's just do it the books um and as I said earlier sort of the the length as well people said we'll make it into a tv series make a 13 episode run for Jurassic park and the same for the lost world but you got to sort of look at what happened with tv and we're going to get to that with the next question is um the budget's not there, and you end oh. up having you end up having something like Terra Nova where it's set there, but you don't see a lot of dinosaur action because they have they can't pay for the special effects. I think that if it was to be a mini series like on HBO or Showtime or something like that, the budget would be there just because 
I mean, shows like Game of Thrones alone are really big budget. I mean, the things you can do with T, uh, even low budget kind of sci-fi series on TV nowadays is phenomenal. I mean, look at Orville. I mean, sure, it's not anything stellar, but it's believable enough to the point where the shows can survive on that. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose it would also depend on how much Universal backed it too. If it had full Universal backing, surely they've got the assets sitting on a drive somewhere. Oh, of course. Um, they like they have to hire anybody to actually design them. You know? Yeah, yeah. Unless, of course, they started going with new dinosaurs that we hadn't seen before, which, of course, Zerodactylus, um, Styracosaurus, which we didn't see in the book, I don't think, but what was mentioned. Well, even even the, the Microceratops jumping through the trees in the Jungle River, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, the Hypsilophodon, the... Um, Hadrosaurs. The, uh, the Athnelias. Then you got the non-dinosaurs too. You got the the pterosaurs and the aviary. You got the well, the pteranodons. You got the um, the big dragonflies as well. Stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I always forget that that was mentioned on Jurassic World. I mean, in the uh, the book mm. Jurassic Park was those <laughs> giant uh, what was it like Megaloceros or something like that? I can't remember uh, the name of those yeah. giant yeah, dragonflies. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's sort of one of those things too. In the book, it's sort of um, established a lot more as InGen haven't just cloned the dinosaurs; they've they've brought sort of the Jurassic period back. Mm-hmm. Um, even Kelly, uh, Kelly, Ellie sort of touches on it with the uh, the pole plant thing. But in the book, they've got Jurassic era plants planted around the lodge, and that um, and that's mm-hmm. where she sort of brings in. Well, these plants are dangerous yet; yeah, they look good, but. Um, if a kid would take a mouthful, yeah, maybe the end of them. Yeah, rub up against and get yeah, and even. Um... Interestingly, um, still applies to plants today. Today we um, or this last summer, we actually planted these beautiful lilies. That uh, a stalk shoots out of the side of it every couple weeks during the summer, mm. and it blooms this beautiful ball of lilies. And it's like a 12-inch ball of nothing but lily blooms. Yeah. But I ended up looking it up when it was finally. And it was a spider lily, also known as a poison lily. And this thing is like, if if a kid were to take a mouthful of the plant, he'd die. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just thinking, we just picked it because it looked pretty and it had a nice smell. <laughs> we had no idea. These are living, breathing fingers that have no idea what century they're in. They'll defend themselves violently if necessary. <laughs> so, yeah, I, as as much as I'd love to see the novels on screen, um, I don't. Nonetheless, they sort of leave it just like Jurassic World. Just let it sit for ten, fifteen years, and then sort of look at it again. Give people, give new fans time to come into it. Yeah, give us a comic or something to tie us over in the meantime. <laughs> a good comic, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. But it's not, I mean, let's face it, the Jurassic Park has not had a good history <laughs> with comics. <laughs> uh, yep. No, but thanks for that question, Andrew. Peter, if you want me to run your little camping trip, there are two conditions. Firstly, I'm in charge, and when I'm not around, Dieter is. All you need to do is sign the checks, tell us we're doing a good job, and open your case of scotch when we have a good day. Second condition, my fee. You can keep it. All I want in exchange for my services is the right to hunt one of the Tyrannosaurs. A male. A buck only. How and why are my business. Now, if you don't like either of those two conditions, you're on your own. So go ahead. Set up base camp right here. Or in a swamp. Or in the middle of a wreck's nest, for all I care. But I've been on too many safaris with rich dentists to listen to any more suicidal ideas. Okay. Okay. And uh, lastly, we've got one from Mitch. Um... And he asked, do you think another dinosaur franchise could exist in a Jurassic world? With the Jurassic films hopefully ending uh, at part six, so he's on board with my <laughs> wanting them to see them end. Um, at part six, could another dinosaur series be made? Um, and are the Jurassic dinosaur designs copyright? Um, 
Now, there's, I asked you this the other day when he submitted it, um, because when Crash McCreary done the, the art for Jurassic Park, um, he was going off Horner and um, sort of paleontologists at the time, what they perceived dinosaurs to be. Um, no longer these animals dragging their tail on the ground um, and sort of really revolutionised the look of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of, I would have to say one of Curry's, uh, one of his biggest influences would have been Gregory S. Paul, which we, of course, know that both Crichton and Spielberg uh, referenced for the movie. And you can definitely see in his artwork the way that the, the way the skin clings to the bone, the way the muscle is done, the, the shape of the bodies, and the, even the snouts on the T-Rex all very, very reminiscent of the way Gregory S. Paul draws his dinosaurs. Yep. And so, I know that Universal wanted to um, make the dinosaurs in a way that they could copyright it, but I don't know if they were ever successful. I don't know if it was if they succeeded or if somebody told them, it's a dinosaur, you can't just copyright it. Well, I could tell you one that had the best shot at it, and that'd be blue. Just mm-hmm. because of the, the, the look... The color variation. Um, yeah. But then, like, the uh, the JP3 Raptors, they were sort of um, stood alone as well until you seen them in that that fair or that um, thing you visited a couple of weeks ago where they, mm-hmm. had, <laughs> where they had the straight-up redone of them, copyrighted. But, yeah. Um, it's sort of... It's, it's an interesting one. I'd, I'd love to find out if... It actually was, because you, you sort of look at a lot of dinosaur art today, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is sort of, whether it stays away because they just don't want to go anywhere near sort of mm-hmm. the Jurassic art, or um, I suppose one of the big ones too is a lot of people throwing feathers on various uh, animals as well, just to sort of make that gap a bit wider. Um, <laughs> but I, um, I had a look, and even sort of, more memorable stuff like the uh, I don't even think they call it a T-Rex in um, not Michael Jackson Peter Jackson's King Kong in 2007 mm-hmm. isn't it there a... was a V-Rex V-Rex Fastosaurus Fastosaurus Rex okay it's supposed to be like a what if T-Rex dis, uh, had a descendant today it'd be bigger the arms would be smaller it'd be meaner gnarlier nastier yep I think that's basically what they were going for there and I suppose, too, you're going to an island of monsters, you're not going to get exactly, exact representations of what you know animals to be. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of one. But also other stuff, um, and I don't know why this never happened, probably because of Jurassic, but uh, back in the 90s when Resident Evil and Capcom released all those games, we've got Dino Crisis, uh, mm-hmm. which I, I I hadn't played. It's one I didn't get for the PlayStation 1, but I was sort of really wanted to and I, I still hope to get it one day off eBay but uh, I was sort of under the, under the um, thinking that it sort of followed the same as Jurassic Park how a lab goes alive of cloning animals and they get used for weapons or whatever but um, apparently it's got time travel in it I was just looking at the wiki and uh, they, um, they're trying to make a new power source and a, um, a result of that power source experiment sort of opens a rip in space time <laughs> And they um <laughs> they get some animals come through that they decide to use as weapons, um, and then Dino Crisis too. It's sort of the whole town gets sent back to the prehistoric past, and they got dinosaurs running everywhere. But um, why it was why it wasn't made into a movie when Resident Evil and uh, Silent Hill and other Capcom properties were, I'd, I'd assume is because of Jurassic. Um, mm-hmm. Now, honestly, I uh, going back to the copyright thing. I have to say that um, I'm not sure, well, I'm not sure if Universal could copyright the dinosaurs, that I'm not sure how much they defend the copyright if they did. Mm. Because, I mean, you see the, T-Rex, the Jurassic Park T-Rex on everything. I mean, yeah. you see it on, to- on knockoff toys. I've seen it on Christmas ornaments sold in Toys R Us. Yeah. I've seen... I've seen the a pic, somebody went out and took a picture of the Universal Studios T Rex, the one that's over the car in Florida, mm-hmm. and 
photoshopped it in, onto a box that was of disposable cameras that were sold exclusively at the Field Museum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it's just, how strongly do can they defend their copyright if they can defend it at all? Yeah, yep. It'd be like um, I haven't seen the I haven't seen the uh, the movie and I don't even think I got the title right. Um, there was the, the Nazis on the moon, then there was the sequel where the Nazis are in the center of the earth. I can't remember. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, um, but even uh, like I've seen, but I heard about it. Yeah, but um, I don't know if it's Hitler or not. But one of the Nazis is riding a T Rex. I've seen the trailer. Now, if that was oh, yeah. if, if that was the straight up Jurassic T Rex, would Universal probably distributed the movie, so it would have been alright, but, um, sort of, yeah, would, would that have been an issue? Because even, even sort of another, another major franchise that existed, I thought, um, well, Dinotopia, I, for the life of me, thought Dinotopia was from the 40s or 50s, and just that old, back in the golden age of paleontology, where mm-hmm. it was sort of celebrating that, I had no idea that the first book only came out in 92, which, considering Jurassic Park went into pre-production in 91, it sort of come out at probably the right time. Um, but even that franchise, like... Um, oh, I thought I had it here, but I don't... There's, I think there's over 40 books. 40 books in the series written, just the, the adventures on the island of Donatopia. Um, mm-hmm. They tried for a movie, they tried for a TV series, and... Sort of, sort of, same thing again. They didn't have a overly large budget, but for the most part, a lot of the dinosaur stuff sort of worked, as far as I see it anyway. But, mm-hmm. um, but I've got, I've got a couple of the books, and just I just love the art and that sort of stuff, and that sort of existed alongside Jurassic. Probably more so, people thought, oh, this is something else with dinosaurs, and then realised it's not dinosaurs attacking anyone. <laughs> so, uh, got off, got off the bandwagon again, but. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if there could be anything that sort of exists and people and just call it a, a, a knockoff of Jurassic Park. Um, mm. It doesn't help when Spielberg puts his name to it, like Terra Nova, where uh, mm-hmm. it's sort of it's if Jurassic Park was uh, if the people were actually back then and not the dinosaurs here. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the funny thing is that. It's funny that you mentioned that uh, Zombies versus Dinosaurs movie because I remember seeing the trailer but I also remember seeing that they had used, they had digitally inserted cutscenes from The Lost World. Like when the T-Rex roars at the uh, camera in uh, at the camera in The Lost World after he sees the baby. Yeah. You can see you. They actually superimposed that behind a Nazi shooting at it, a zombie <laughs> Nazi. <laughs> so it was like, I mean, seriously. So yeah, so they're blatantly using the footage as well. So. Oh, they blatantly yeah. used the Jurassic Park footage. Yeah. Yeah, but because so, then maybe maybe the copyright could go more to the theme, um, whereas like Dinotopia was essentially a lost world where. The animals had survived. the The whole Jurassic, the the whole backbone of it is scientists cloning from amber. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take sort of that away um, from your story, how do you how do you even explain the existence of the animals? As soon as you try and do anything cloning wise, that's going to be seen as a a knockoff. Mm. <laughs> um, I think that is a good point because I do remember. I mean. Frankly, I was a kid, so I mean, you can let it go a little bit, but when I was a kid, I used to consider that, oh, this is either, I played dinosaurs in either two categories, Jurassic Park dinosaurs and not Jurassic Park dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. And I remember that for me, most dinosaurs could be Jurassic Park dinosaurs if they looked close enough to them. Like any brown T-Rex with uh, big nasal snout and brow ridges was a Jurassic Park dinosaur. Yep. And I remember when I was a kid, there was a book, there was a dinosaur uh, book I had called um, Dinosaurs, the Biggest, Fastest, Meanest, Baddest, or something like that. I'm not sure if you ever had or heard of it. Okay. Fast. 
and in there was a uh, 1997, I think it was an oil painting or something like that, but it was a painting of these velociraptors by this guy named Patrick O'Brien. I can't find anything about him online. But it was, I mean, this could have been mistaken as fan art for just for the Lost World. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was. These were straight up the Lost World raptors. There was no denying it. <laughs> now I'll, I'll post the picture up um, online when I when I uh, when this episode goes live. Yep, that'll be good to see. It's one of those things. If it's if it's good, why not replicate it? <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. And of course, then there's also the book I had. Um, look inside a T-Rex. It was like every page was a different bodily system of a T-Rex. Like an X-ray. Then, yeah, it would. You could. It was like plastic bits uh, inside a page. And I remember the illustrations of the T-Rex in there were straight up Jurassic Park. Yeah. I mean. It had the green on the. It had the green with the black lines and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much any green T Rex with black lines or brown T Rex with uh, nasal snout was Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I think we we answered that one for you, Mitch. Quite thoroughly, my dad. Yeah, um, so it's it's good to see and sort of getting back to Andrew's question before is just sort of what what happens post Jurassic six um, film wise it's not it's not Star Wars there's not this massive universe to expand on like and again I suppose we're gonna have to see what this whole Lockwood situation is as well mm-hmm. in Fallen Kingdom to see what they're gonna expand there but I, I just want to see how they're gonna turn around and say well this person was involved back then yet no one ever mentioned he never come forward or anything like that. Um, I don't know how many times they can keep doing that before you just sort of roll your eyes and go, okay. Mm-hmm. Simply put, InGen is seeking limited partners to defray some of our expansion costs. The prospectus you've been given by the board explicitly details our projected hardware and construction expenses, and as you can see by my two friends here with me tonight, software is already fully developed. One might say, They've been up and running. <laughs> anyway, to the moment that uh, everyone's been waiting for and probably skipped to, uh, <laughs> prize time. Everyone that submitted a question uh, and everyone that commented on the various social... Well, on Instagram. I won't keep saying the various social media because it was, was Instagram. <laughs> um, you got a number assigned to your name and that went to the random number generator. Um, I've got a deck of the, uh, the Jurassic Park tops trading cards here uh i think it's card one to five, one to 105 which is just the standard run not the holographic or uh none of the other behind the scenes cards um because so them it's i can't believe how hard it is to get the lost world cards <laughs> I, st- I still haven't even got a complete set yet i've got about five or six sets of the Jurassic park ones <laughs> i went yeah went on ebay to try and find a set to give away and i think it was nearly a hundred dollars so not going to do that but um Run the uh, the random number generator, and uh, we just thought it was easier going that way than going participation because we could sit here and go, well, who submitted the best question or the best answer? And um, I know I couldn't I couldn't pick one, so we'll yeah. leave, leave it to the n- random number generator. And uh, the winner is uh, Mitch, who sent in the email of that last question. So I'll email him back as soon as this episode goes up. Uh, and um, get the address and get them sent out to you. I don't know where he possibly is in America, so we'll see how we go there. But um, thank you, everyone, that uh, did did submit questions. Um, we did get a couple of questions come in sort of afterwards um, that we've already answered on the main show, but um, it's just great to uh, engage with the listeners and hear what and uh, yeah, hear what you have to say about the film. Dave, anything else you want to bring up? Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. Thanks for listening. And um, we'll be back with uh, minute 59 and 60, the halfway point, next week. Mm-hmm. All right. Half an hour from now, John Hammond's dream.
reimagined to have come true. For one one hundredth the cost of building a destination resort thousands of miles away. I believe I've spent enough time in the company of death. All right, guys, let's get the hell out of here. What's everybody looking for? Tonight we'll christen Jurassic Park San Diego with a mega attraction that turns down on the of anything like It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, Life.